UMGoBlue.com. By fans, for fans. Since 1999. Hello, welcome to this edition of the UMGoBlue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with... Andy Anderson. And today we're going to talk about Michigan's homecoming victory by a score of 35-14 to 14 over Rutgers. Um, well, Andy, what did you think about that one? Well, of course, as you very well know, and everybody that watched the game or likes Michigan football knows, Brandon Peters was the story, and he had a pretty good game. Not excessive yardage. I think he only passed for about 128 yards, but he was very effective. He, he had some throws that had pinpoint accuracy when he's moving to the sideline. He made a very good showing, and his entering the game lifted the Wolverine spirits, obviously, on both sides of the ball, because they all became play better with him in there. No, not a knock on John O'Corn. He's done his best, but he just hasn't been able to put things together in the right manner and kind of regressed since he got that nice win over Purdue. I think uh, some people have questioned whether or not it's the right time or the right place to do this and why didn't he do it earlier. And you can be your head on the wall with that kind of question forever. There's no answer to it, but it seems to me that it was the right time and the right place because it got Peters off to a very good start. A very good start. It looks like he can help the Michigan Wolverines get rid of their offensive malaise to some degree. He's not a messiah. He's just a kid learning to play football. But he looked pretty good out there Saturday. Well, Andy, it was interesting because I know that Coach Harbaugh had said that Brandon Peters almost went in at a point against Penn State. And I know he said that he told the team heading into this week that Brandon Peters was definitely going to go into the game earlier rather than later. Um, And again, this isn't a a personal attack on John O'Korn, but he looked horrible. I mean, I don't see I don't see that Harbaugh had any chance or had any choice in the matter. I mean, you know, John O'Corn first pass through an interception. Then he you know, he, he had trouble handling snaps, he had trouble taking shotgun snaps, he had trouble doing the exchange, he you know, he fumbled. It was and even though it was recovered, it's just the point that what we saw from O'Corn was almost a complete breakdown of of just the basic skills you need to be a quarterback. So, um, and, and then Brandon Peters came in and, and, and really looked serviceable. I mean, like you said, he didn't light the world on fire with, with huge bombs. He didn't have a particularly great statistical day. But compared to how O'Corn had been performing and, and had performed earlier in the game, um, you know, he looked like a messiah. And I, I think the, you know, the now we do have to take, you know, look at it in perspective. You're playing Rutgers. Um, you should look good against Rutgers. But there's no, you know, there's no denying that O'Corn did not look against, look good against Rutgers. And and really, you know, listening to Harbaugh's post-game comments, um, he, he kind of endorsed Peters as being the starter. 
Um, you know, I'm really puzzled at this because, I, you know, I can understand saying that O'Corden was the second-string quarterback coming out of camp, but th- there seems to be, or there seems to have been a reluctance to put Peters in. And, I, you know, I, I, again, I don't think, you know, Harbaugh is very cryptic in, in what he says, and, and I don't know, you know, it may be a year or two until the story comes out. It just seems really odd to me that he's so reluctant to put Peters in when O'Corn has been struggling so mightily. Well, he, he operates under, under his, his own reasons and on his own schedule, so we can speculate, and you're right, maybe in a year or two some facts about the situation will, will come out. It'll be probably past the point where we really care anymore about it because we'll move on to other things. But uh, Brandon Peters put life in that football team, and there's just no question about it. One thing that also happened was I have not praised the offensive line this year much at all, but they did a better job really did. They were blocking well. And Peters wasn't subject to being sacked seven times and with eight TFLs or anything like that. We'll see how Peters does when the lights really come on, when it's on the bigger stage, when it's a more important game, when there's more to lose uh, by losing. Uh, he hasn't been stressed in every aspect that a Michigan quarterback can be stressed yet. And he is just learning. He's a neophyte. This was his first, his first real snaps where he, where everything was on his shoulders. And he survived that well. He's got a good future. And it's up to him to make that future really good for himself. Apparently he's a hard worker. Apparently he's laid back and doesn't get excited much. Uh, when things go wrong. And you could see at his post-game interview that he is just a different personality than the other two or three that we've listened to recently. He is a laid-back guy. There's no question about it. And that can be a fault or it can be a blessing. depends on the situation. We'll see. But he's got a chance to do some big things if he keeps good. One thing, too, I thought the play calling changed a little bit. Well, and Andy, that's a, Andy, that's a really good point. I mean, one of the things I was thinking was, you know, how did how does the game plan get altered when a different quarterback goes in with a different set of skills? I mean, we saw when Spate went out and O'Corn went in, the first you know game or two. They did make adjustments for his skills, and and then when you saw Peters going, it, it it seemed like almost a night and day change in the play calling. So, it, it, and again, it, it, and again, you don't, you know, everybody's excited, but it was Rutgers, but there is no doubt the 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 play calling seemed to be a little more suited, better suited for him. And you know, he threw a couple nice passes. I mean, you can say you know whatever you want about you know. Uh, the play calling, but you still got to execute. You still got to pull the trigger. Now there were there was a, a couple passes he just missed. I mean, just just oh, 
pulled the trigger and just completely one, misfired. That one when he rolled out and hit the guy, I forgot who it was now, on the sideline in a desperation move. That was a great play. That ball was just exactly where it had to be. On the other hand, he had a couple of throws. He had one that could have been intercepted. And it was lucky it didn't get intercepted. Oh, more than that. But, not only was it almost intercepted, but it, it very very easily could have resulted in a pick six, which which yeah. really would have just put a damper. I mean, if it had been a pick six at that point, it would have been a 14-14 game. And you can imagine uh, the displeasure that, that fans would have, you know, the, the heartburn fans would have felt. So, again, it is interesting. You look at it and you wonder what's going on. Um, why did it take so long to, to, to put Peters in? Now, maybe Penn State wasn't the place to put in a new quarterback. Um, but, again, so we are where we are. And, again, it, it seems like that uh, the little bird of Brandon Peters is ready to leave the nest, as, as Harbaugh said. And, again, yeah. that's, that's just uh, – Harbaugh was really weird in the post game, And, and I know that um, – you know he's generally kind of you know kind of an odd guy sometimes, but he 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 didn't seem all that happy. He, well, and part of it is he's just always the same guy. But yeah. you know, considering how much the off the quarterback position had struggled, um, you think he would have been a little a little more chipper. Um, so I don't know. Maybe he was disappointed that he had to unveil his secret weapon that he was saving for Ohio State. I mean, I I don't know. Um, you know. But what did you, what did you what did you think of Penn State getting nipped? Would you have rather had Ohio State come into the Michigan game with less at stake? Now they'll come roaring in, being after to place in the national championship playoffs and all that sort of stuff. They're going to come in on a tear, no matter what. I mean, again, yeah, do I wish, first of all, it was a great game, and all credit to Ohio State for coming back. Um, but, you know, all credit to Ohio State coming back. Um, it was, And, again, it was a great game. I mean, it was a good football game to watch. Um, you really got you really have to consider what you know how what Penn State would do differently. Um, they they definitely seem to. It was funny because they really took advantage of the. They really took advantage of the environment in Happy Valley, and they seem to be overcome by the environment at Ohio State, which is a really rough place mm-hmm. to play. Um, you better do. So. So again, you know, on other things first, uh, you know, you had two backs go over 100 yards. You had Karan Higdon and Ty Ozick both go over 100 yards. That was good to see. Saw a few nice runs by Kareem Walker. Um, um, so there are a lot. And also, also that catch by Evans uh, on that two-minute drill. That that was a great play. That really happened quick. Uh, Evans made a nice catch and run on that. You know, one of the nice things about the passing game, while it was only for, you know, 137 yards, there were so many different receivers used. I mean, the ball was definitely rotated around. You know, ten different guys caught passes. So it's nice to see things distributed. And, again, hopefully, hopefully Peters will, you know. I mean, I guess the question I have is, 
Andy, don't you feel, don't you have more confidence with Peters at quarterback than you had at O'Corn? I mean, I, I got the impression, for me, I just, I thought O'Corn was tapped out. That we'd, we'd seen all we were going to see and, and um, you know, for whatever reason, whether it was a self-confidence problem or, or a play-calling problem, he, I, I just didn't have a lot of confidence with him in there. And, again, coming out against Rutgers at home and just really just, you know, failing in so many aspects, I just I kind of thought he was – I kind of think he was done. Yeah, well, I did too. I didn't – I had lost confidence in him. It was obvious that the playbook was restricted when he was in there. And the running game wasn't getting a lift from any passing, and they've got to get those guys – uh, the linebackers and, and uh, defensive backs out of the box in order to run the football. You can't run against the, the number of people that they had because they had no passing game. They just didn't move people out of there, and they were getting stuff in the running game. I really liked Higgins' effort. He's really improved. He's getting better all the time. He's quality back. There's no question about that. And finally, we had a pair of backs over 100 yards in the same game. I think this kind of surprised me. Oh, and back to uh, back to John O'Corn. When John was in there in that first quarter, the offense, even though they did do an 80-yard drive in the second fairly early, they seemed dead. They seemed without spirit. They needed a left lift. They needed a, a shot of energy. And when Peters came in, he gave them that. They were a different team after he came in. And they, instead of just trying to punch things over, tackle all the time, they nibbled at the edges all day long. And they got out there. Maybe that's a function of the fact that uh, Rutgers didn't have enough team speed to deal with something like that, and they knew it. Or maybe they're going to try something a little different. I'd like to see something a little different than this offense. It's been boring as hell this year. It just hasn't been as much fun as Michigan football is some years because they haven't been scoring points. That's what the game's about. Defensive battles are nice, but when it comes right down to it, you need points to win. Well, and now we got Minnesota on deck, um, which, you know, it's a night game. I guess the only people who are excited about it is TV because I'm not excited about it. I don't know anybody who's excited about it, actually. You know, the prospect of sitting in Michigan Stadium at night uh, with a uh, underperforming offense and uh, a, a, a low of 40 degrees, at least it's going to be, it looks like it's going to be clear. I mean, Again, this is this is not a good idea. Um, I, I really, I hope that they address this somehow moving forward. Um, so again, I'm excited about the Brown Jug. You know, you know we have a pretty good streak of winning it. Although there have been a couple time, notable times where Minnesota has jumped up and bit us. Um, again, I'm just I'm not excited at the prospect of of uh, uh, you know again a cold night in November in Ann Arbor is not exactly the. Uh, not exactly a big draw. What do you think, Andy? Well, I'm 100% with that. I don't like night games, period. I don't think that that's when football should be played. It was devised as Saturday afternoon sport, and that's the time for it. The weather is better here 
This isn't in the south where it's so hot that you can't play during the daytime. The best weather we have is like on a Saturday afternoon and not in the evenings, especially in November. Like you, I like the little brown jug. It's a nice tradition, and we don't want the little brown jug to get lonely up there in the cold winter confines of Minnesota. There's no question about that. But I have less enthusiasm than usual for this game because of the time that is going to occur. And then some of us that go to that have an hour, hour and a half, hour three quarters drive after the game to get home. It makes for a long evening and a long day. And, uh, you know, maybe football is only for young people, but I don't like the night games at all. And I don't think Harbaugh does either. I think it's a matter of contract that you're into this. Well, and you know, it's funny because a couple weeks ago, prior to the Michigan State game, they had asked him in the press conference, and he said, well, it offends my football sensibilities, meaning that, you know, he didn't like it. And then amazingly, right. within the next day or two, uh, I think uh, somebody, somebody had told him that that probably was the best way to promote a game. And, and suddenly he was okay with it. He was excited about it. And, and it's just kind of funny when you look at it that, you know, there's no doubt that uh, um, there's no doubt that I think that for purists, you know, you know. And matter of fact, I know he said this. He's like, listen, you know, he said this, uh, you know, in a couple different times. He's like, toe should meet leather at noon on Saturdays. If that, you know, if he had his druthers, that's how it would be. And again, yeah, I agree yeah. with that. Um, but again, we will see what happens moving forward. Um, so, well. I guess that's going to do it. Andy, do you have anything else? No, I'm anxious to see how Peter's going to do in his second outing uh, as a starter. Sometimes you can't tell. Sometimes when they come in and they they really don't have the big load on their shoulders, it's easier for them than the second time when they do have the load on their shoulders, and it's all up to them. Uh to get things going, but I think he'll do all right. I think that he's gonna that he's gonna maybe do better than all right. I'm hoping that the kid really prospers. So we'll see. All right. Well, that's gonna do it for this edition of the UMGoBlue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with Andy Anderson. Go Blue. Thank you for listening to the UMGoBlue.com podcast. All rights reserved. Search for umgoblue.com on iTunes. Go Blue.